So um, I want to get into this word. Uh, I, I keep I keep ending this series. We talked about the curse and the blessing, and, and today we're going to talk about the prayer, T-H-E, capital T, the prayer. There's a prayer we need to get a hold of that's going to change our nation, change our church, the prayer. But the Lord keeps just keeps dealing with me. I, I, I don't know when I download. It's just constant. I'm just crying all the time. <laughs> it's God. Which, what do you think? Thank you. It's old age. It's I'm I'm just every time I hear a song or something, you know, I'm just reading and God's just just and uh, the, the next one's going to be uh, the prophecy, and the next one's going to be the war. How many at war? If you're a Christian and don't know that, you're backslid, and the devil's not bothering you. Uh, but we are at war. This is not my strength. Uh, and I tell you, we have fought the devil, you guys. <laughs> In other words, you didn't bring that devil. He was here before you came, draining. I don't even know if I can get through this. I, always, I say that from time to time, and I always get through because we know why. The anointing makes the difference. Just when I'm done, you alone. Well, men just have so many words, right? And I, by the time I preach twice, I'm, I'm running out of words. I'm, I'm done. Get through it. Okay, no one will pray. If you'll pray for me. All right, I'm taking my coat off. I'm getting serious now. It starts now. Don't hold anything else against me. Let's talk about the prayer. On April 30th, 1863, Y'all know I've been bringing, y'all like the history when I bring it in? You're okay. You like that? Lincoln declared the first day of prayer and fasting. First time a president's ever done it, and it was a day of, he's our president, and we're not going to be like these idiots who wish that he was dead. What is wrong with people? What is wrong with people? I, I would never say that about any president. Ridiculous, because God raises them up and puts them down. We love and respect and pray for them, no matter who they are. This, but He declared this a national day. Remember that date, April thirtieth. On May first, the Civil War turned. The very next day, you need to understand that up to now, Abraham Lincoln is getting ready. He's he's spent his f almost four years. He's up for reelection. That November is the elections for the next four years. He is not doing well. In fact, everyone had pretty well concluded, including Lincoln himself, that he was not going to be reelected president. Obviously, the southern states didn't get a vote. <laughs> so this is the northern states that are voting against him. If you were to read the newspapers of the time, they were worse on him than they are on President Trump. They called him a hick from Illinois. They called him an uneducated fool. They said he looks like a baboon. They said he's an idiot. He said he's a warmonger. They said he's done everything wrong. I mean, they hated him. And these are the people in the North 
the papers in the South, they just wanted him dead. <laughs> These are the northern papers. They actually did, they did polling back then, and there was no way he was going to win this election, which meant that whoever, that, uh, forget who was running against him, but that guy, it was uh, the general, the one that was running against him was one of the general that he fired. I forget his name. Anyway, uh-huh. Y'all don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But the guy who was going to replace him would have negotiated with the South, and the South, all the states from Virginia to Texas, were now, would, would have been a separate line. What would have happened in World War II? Would the wall have come down in communism? Would we be able to be the shining light we are to the nation if we were a divided nation? What would have happened with slavery? What would have, my God, what would have happened? If Lincoln had not been reelected, the war would have been over and we would be two nations. And forever that would be the problem. But on April 30th, he said, we need to pray. On May 1st, two battles. One of them was the, ba the battle at Vicksburg. If you know where Vicksburg is, if we win Vicksburg, the South would have been divided because we would control the Mississippi River. Ulysses, all five battles he lost. The sixth battle started on May 1st, the day after the proclamation, the day after the day of prayer, and he won that battle, and he won the next four battles, and Vicksburg was ours within a couple days. That totally changed the, the war. At the same time, the, the, the Army of the, of the Union, uh, of the, the Army of uh, Virginia there, uh, they were, you know, attacking. You've heard of Chancellorville, that battle. Well, the North actually lost that battle, but because the South lost that battle, Lee got energized, and he said, we're going we're to get off the defense, and we're going to attack the North. And the next battle that followed about a week or so later was Gettysburg. Not only that, but Stonewall Jackson, really the number two guy, the, the second best general that the South had, he gets, he gets shot by his own troops, friendly fire, and dies. And historians have said that the main reason Lee lost Gettysburg is because he didn't have General Jackson with him. The war completely turned on May. They rallied to Lincoln. I mean, it just turned unbelievably, and in November, he was reelected president of the United States. Come on. Come on. It changed everything. You'd be surprised how many things, how God's hand has been in history, guiding this nation and, and helping. I mean, I, I could preach a whole series of sermons on stuff God has done in history from the Revolutionary War on that have changed the course of history. How, how Reese Howells and his group of prayer warriors uh, locked themselves up during World War II and actually prayed us through every battle in World War II that we won. I mean, I, I can go on and on and on. It, it, it's just amazing. So, so I, I want to, how many would like to hear the proclamation? And, and where is, it is the duty of nations as well as of, uh, as well as of men. And, and let me say this, too, that Lincoln wasn't necessarily a religious person. 
I mean, everyone back then was kind of religious, but I mean, I, I don't think we would consider Lincoln a born-again Christian as we know it today. You, you, you follow? I don't know that we've ever had a president that could pastor one of our churches, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm not saying none of them were saved, but you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you may love him as president, but I don't know that you'd want him up here as your pastor. No. But listen, God raises people up. You don't have to like him. You like him, dislike him, vote for him, don't vote for him. But the point of the matter is God raises them up. And I don't know that we've ever had a president who looked out for the church more than this one. Anyway. You do what you want to do. So Lincoln was not this way either, but to hear Lincoln, but God got a hold of Lincoln. And he probably went to heaven. I'm not saying he didn't go to heaven. Whereas the duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon. And to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. Woo! I couldn't have said it better. Preach, Abe. And insomuch as we know that by His divine law, nations, like individuals, are subjected to punishments and chastisements in this world. May we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war, which now desolates the land, 600,000 men died in that war, may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins, slavery, to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown, but, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, capital P, to confess our national sins and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Wow. I said, you may not want him as a pastor, but a pastor couldn't have written that any better. And we could read the same thing today about our nation. He doesn't mention this scripture, but he mentions three things in this scripture that God will hear us, and God will forgive us, and God will restore us. Did you hear all three of that in there? So let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 
And we've all heard the prayer, 714, if God's people will humble themselves and pray, right? You've all heard that scripture. But we don't sometimes realize the context that this was prayed within the context of a seven-day festival that Solomon put on to dedicate the temple, the new temple to God. They dedicated for seven days. I thought, well, that's, a, that's odd. Why seven days? And as I dug a little deeper, I found out that that's those seven days where the feast was the Feast of Tabernacles, the very feast we're celebrating right now. They're, as they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles, they dedicated the new temple to God. Watch the background of this from verse 1. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven. What would you do if fire fell from heaven when I say my last amen this morning? Last week I said, what would you do if you saw writing on the wall? What if the fire of God literally fell in this sanctuary? Would you keep me for another year? I don't know why you're laughing. Fire came out from heaven, consumed the burnt offering, and the sacrifice, and the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord. They couldn't get in the building because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. What if we stopped you at the door and said, you can't even come in there. The glory of God is so full. If you walked in, it would slay you. If you walk in the doors, you will fall over. The glory of God is so strong. I'm living for the day where everyone falls out in the spirit. And I'm the only one standing and I lay hands on myself and I go out. What a day that will be. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. Y'all okay? You still praying for me? If I slow down, you'll be okay, right? King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. Talk about them. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. Wow. And the priests attended to their services. The Levites also with instruments of the music of the Lord when King David had had made, he made the instruments to praise the Lord, saying, for his mercy endures forever. Whenever David offered praise by their ministry, the priests sounded temples opposite them, uh, sounded trumpets, I'm sorry, opposite them with all Israel stood. All Israel, millions of people. Furthermore, Solomon consecrated the middle of the court that was in front of the temple, so on, all the burnt offerings, so on and so forth. Let's go to verse 14. So later that night, Solomon gets visited by God and seek my face, right? Number one, seek my face, he'll hear, and turn from their wicked ways, forgiveness. Then I will 
hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal the United States of America. God, understand what I'm saying. God has called America. America and Israel are the only two nations ever founded on God, ever. We're founded on God. We made vows about that founding. We dedicated this nation to God. And right now it's being torn apart, and they're trying to destroy it, trying to tear it down. You say, well, this is just a lot of communism. This is worse than communism. Can I, can I tell you why it's worse than? I mean, I know, that, I know, there, I know this ideology is behind it. But even, even in Russia, they still love their nation. They don't even love this nation. I mean, when, the Russian, when Russia turned communist, the Russians still were Russians, and they still loved their country. But they don't even love the country, some, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying. They're wanting to... They thrive off chaos and confusion. Anyway. I mean, if he wants to call, I'm listening. Hello, Jesus. God, what I was about to say, God, understand what I mean. God needs this nation. Now, God doesn't need anything, I know. But God has chosen to work through this nation. And this nation has the resources and the ability to change the planet, and the devil knows it. It has the resources and the ability and the people to send missionaries around the world and bring in a last-day revival like this world has never seen before. If he can destroy America, he will cause chaos all across the planet. Hear us. Forgive us. Restore us. And notice what he says. He said, he talks about locusts, and he talks about drought, and he talks about pestilence. When these things come, we need to pray. That's what he said, three things. He said, well, we got the pestilence, right? We got the COVID. And regardless of what you think about it, think about this. It has literally affected the entire planet. I mean, the flu epidemic 100 years ago affected most of the planet. It was bad. But this has shut down the economy of the world. So how many, how many believe we need to pray because of a pestilence? He said, well, I hadn't heard anything about locusts. June and July was the peak. Locusts are a plague of biblical scope in 2020. They're in Africa. They're in Asia. They're in Iran. They're in Saudi Arabia. They're, 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 they've had some uh, cases of in, in India. They're all a few years ago. I can't believe this. A whole flock, what are these, swarm? Of them, they caught the current, and they actually flew across the Atlantic and landed in the, in the Caribbean. These locusts are something else. They said these locusts, y'all got, got some time? You okay? 
I know this is, I don't usually preach like this. You know that, right? This is weird. These locusts are just grasshoppers. But all of a sudden, they said, they said that something comes over them. Because ordinarily, they're just grasshoppers and they hop around. They don't do a lot of damage. But it says, especially after heavy rains, and they don't know what it is, but they, something happens to these locusts to where they don't operate as individuals anymore. And they somehow have some kind of collective identity. And they come together and, and, they, and they, they will fly in together as hordes, which they never usually do. I know what comes over them. It's demonic. How many know the devil can control animals? Absolutely. And these, 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 I mean, they will land on a field, and an hour later, there is no field. And, and, and hunger is, okay, so they said, they said locusts. Well, in fact, they said it's of biblical proportions. They said they've never seen it like this before. Well, what about, what about drought? I don't see any drought. Well, let me see what my papers are about there. UN sounds alarm over unprecedented levels of hunger in southern Africa. Northern Africa will now follow because of the locusts. But because of COVID and because of weird weather patterns, I mean, it's either flooding or there's no rain. <laughs> they can't seem to get any balance anywhere. And then you've got the fires in California. You've got the hurricanes that are crazy this year. I mean, we've had all this stuff before, but it seems like every, everything is coming together. And then you've got riots, and you've got bloodletting, and you've got, you've got just, just unbelievable. I mean, every day we get up and say, what is wrong with people? I mean, how do they, where do they get this stuff? Well, first of all, they've been taught this in the colleges for, since the 60s. My generation. Sorry that when we talk about the war. But we've got, right now, here's what they're talking about, and the news, the media doesn't want to talk about this, but we got locusts, we got drought, we got hunger, we got famine, and we got pestilence. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, I will hear you. Over 100 years ago in 1906, Ever hear of the Azusa Street Revival? The Azusa Street first fell. There's a picture of the leadership. That's when it first fell, and that w which really is fake news because it really fell on the Church of God in the mountains of Tennessee in 1896. No one gives us any credit. <laughs> but that's when the Holy Ghost first fell in, in uh, Cherokee County, North Carolina, in 1896. But in 1906, in, you know, everything happens in L.A., right? So L.A., the Holy Ghost falls in L.A., and that revival, and, and look at the picture. You will never see a picture like this in the early 1900s or any time before. You see black people. You see white people. You see uh, black women and white women and a child in leadership on that revival. This isn't about color. This isn't about culture. This is about the move of the Holy Ghost.
You see that picture? You will never see a picture like that. Those people would never get along if it weren't for Jesus. Come on, church. Truth of the matter is, I don't think any of us would get along if it weren't for Jesus. Oh, just admit it. Jesus is what we have in common. Why else would we come together? Y'all ain't all that. Come on. I know, Lord, I'm supposed to be encouraging them. Sorry. Also in 19... Anyone know what else happened? Some of you were here in the first service. Also in 1906, 400 miles to the north in San Francisco is the great San Francisco earthquake. So in L.A., you've got the outbreak of the Holy Ghost. That, and by the way, there are now 700 million Pentecostals in the world. 10% of the population speaks in tongues. Can you give God praise? That was a revival. 400 miles to the north, our earthquake destroys San Francisco. And if you go back and read the reports, they say, how many people died in that earthquake? They say, about 3,000. How many people died on 9-11? About 3,000. There's another example of people coming against God's government, and it's Exodus chapter 32 and and verse 28, to the sons of Levi, so the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, they rebelled against Moses, and they, you know, and then some people died. Guess how many people died when they came against Moses? 3,000, about three, they always say about 3,000 died that day. I don't know what it is about that, about that number, but anytime 3,000 people die, you ought to pay attention. It's, it, it, it's amazing. Listen, on 9-11, which was our wake-up call, which was judgment. I heard someone say the other day, there's a, he says, I don't mind the judgment of God because the judgment of God is meant for us to repent, and God means to turn us. He said, what I fear is the wrath of God. Now, the wrath of God, it's over. God doesn't reveal his wrath to cause people to repent. The wrath of God says, you've gone too far and you're done. But this is the judgment of God. And it's meant to turn the nation back to God. On 9-11, you know, every Sabbath Jews meet. They have assigned scriptures for that day. Every Sabbath, all over the world, the same Jews, all of them will read. So I think 9-11 was on a Tuesday. So that Saturday, guess what scriptures were assigned for that day, the Sabbath after 9-11? They were Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 1 and 2 and verse 9 and 10. Now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before you and, you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you. And you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul. 
The Lord God will make you abound in all the work of your hands and the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and, and in the produce of your, of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. In other words, you're under a curse, you're under judgment, but God is willing to forgive and turn this thing. But church, we have got to pray. And we get discouraged because there's not many of us. Don't be. You know, I was reading the other day in the Revolutionary War that only 15% of the population was involved in the war. And that, and that 20 to 25% of the population was on the side of the British. They wanted the British to win. This nation's always been divided. <laughs> then you got the Civil War. We've always been bitter and, and argumentative and all that stuff. We've, we've always been divided. But 15% of the population stood up and said, we're going to fight for what's right. Let's spiritualize that for a moment. God, we need 15% of this nation to rise up and be the remnant and be men and women of prayer and call on God for revival and call on God for forgiveness and call